The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. One Sunday years ago, I was in the lobby after I had spoken, and a gentleman walked up to me and said, Pastor Darren, I want to say something to you. He said, Pastor, every sermon you preach is better than the next one. I said, well, thank you very much. And I shook his hand, and he walked away. And, and then as I was driving home, I, I got thinking about it. What did he say? He said, every sermon you preach is better than the next one. <laughs> Hold on. He wasn't complimenting me. He was critiquing me. He was saying I was getting worse, not getting better. <laughs> Have you ever misjudged something? Have you ever thought one thing was happening only to discover later on that something completely different was happening? Sometimes you have to pull back and to discern the reality of a situation. It can apply to the words that people give and it can apply to the lives that people live. Well, today we're going to pull back and investigate the life of a man who lived almost 3,000 years ago. His name was Uzziah. Now, Uzziah was a descendant of, of David and Solomon, and like his ancestors, Uzziah was a king, a king in Israel. And like his ancestors, Uzziah was a king whose reign experienced great success. But that's the thing. Is it possible to experience great success, yet not be a great success? Is it possible to experience great victories in life, yet ultimately fail in life? I mean, when all is said and done, what makes a life a success? And what can turn a life that was heading for success down a path towards failure? These are the issues we're going to be addressing and the lessons that we're going to be learning as we dig into the drama that was the life of Uzziah. Now, Uzziah's life is described in chapter 26, chapter 26 of the Old Testament book known as Second Chronicles. There's First Chronicles and there's Second Chronicles. Now, the word chronicle simply means a factual written account. And the two Old Testament books called Chronicles are just that. Two books filled with factual written accounts from the history of the nation of Israel. Now we're calling Act 1 of Uzziah's life drama the upward climb. The Bible says that Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. I mean, 16 years old is the earliest that we will hand someone the keys to a car. 16 years seems to be awfully young to be handed the keys to a kingdom. But that's how it works. When your father is the king, your father dies and you're next in line. And that's exactly what happened to young 16-year-old Uzziah. But instead of steering the kingdom into the ditch in his early years, Uzziah guided the nation brilliantly. The Bible says, and I quote, Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. Now, the biblical writer tells us that young Uzziah did a lot of things right. We're told that he was successful in battle against their enemy, the Philistines. He fortified the capital city of Jerusalem, that he ensured that the nation had a strong supply of water and food, 
We're told that Uzziah had a huge army and he wisely maximized that asset by ensuring that they were well-trained, well-equipped, well-organized, and well-led. He even invented some military devices that gave his military a strategic advantage. Now, where did such a young man get such wisdom? Well, that was the secret to Uzziah's success. The Bible says he sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. So he had someone teaching him. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. His fame spread far and wide, the Bible says, for he was greatly helped. Now, this was originally written in ancient Hebrew, and the words chosen kind of give us a great word picture. Do you see the word sought used here? He sought God and he sought the Lord. That's translated from the ancient Hebrew word darash, and it means to tread a path or to wear down a path. Have you ever walked along a path in in, in a forest? I mean, it's not paved, there's no sidewalk, it's just a line. It's where the vegetation has become trampled to the point of being completely worn down to the bare ground. So many people have tread along that route, or trod along that route, that they have worn down a path. That is the word picture for seeking God. That's the word picture for the word sought. The Bible says that Uzziah wore a path to the presence of God. And the Bible says that he did this by seeking godly advice from godly sources like Hezekiah. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, not Hezekiah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. You see that word success? That's from the Hebrew word salak. It means to advance or to experience advancement. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So when we pull it all together, the word picture is fantastic. Wearing a path leading to advancement. We get a great life lesson about the biblical description of success. As your outline says, when you're following God, you're moving forward. When you're following God, You're moving forward. So what does success look like from a biblical perspective? Success looks like daily wearing a path towards the presence of God. Now, you may be sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, Darren, I've been following God. I've been following God for years, but I don't feel too successful at the moment. In fact, my career seems to be on hold if it's not going backwards. People are passing me by. I've got all sorts of family and relationship challenges that are overwhelming me right now. So when does this success kick in, Darren? We've learned today that when you're following God, you're moving forward. We've learned that following God means wearing down a path towards his presence. But there's another aspect to remember. Following God's path means trusting God's process. Following God's path means trusting God's process. Think of the life story of the man in the Bible named Joseph. Joseph came from a family of 12 boys, and Joseph's father considered Joseph as his favorite, and he publicly, unwisely, made this known to everyone, which made his brothers hate Joseph all the more. And one day, God gave Joseph a dream Uh, which was promising Joseph great success in this dream. And Joseph, again, not too wise, shared this with his brothers, which made him be hated even all the more. 
Well, one day, his brothers threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, and then told their father that a wild animal had killed him. Joseph spent the next few years working as a slave in the home of an Egyptian gentleman named Potiphar. Now, I'm sure Joseph had moments where he'd wondering, so where's all the success you promised me, God? But Joseph continued to wear a path towards God's presence. Joseph followed God's path, trusting God's process. Potiphar's wife had a bit of a crush on Joseph, and she tried to seduce him while her husband was at work one day. Joseph refused her advances. Embarrassed and likely nervous that Joseph was going to tell her husband what happened, Potiphar's wife made up a story that Joseph tried to seduce her. So Potiphar had Joseph sent to prison, where Joseph spent the next few years of his life. Joseph gets punished for doing the right thing. How successful is that? Nonetheless, the Bible says, and I quote, that God was still with Joseph in that dark prison. Joseph continued to follow God's path and trust God's process. Eventually, through a series of really incredible events, Joseph is raised to the second highest political position in the nation of Egypt. And he eventually rescues his family back in Israel from starvation. When you're following God, you're moving forward. And following God's path means trusting God's process. It was true in Joseph's life, it was true in Uzziah's life, and it will be true in your life as well. Okay, let's get back to our story. It says, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. As the curtain closes on Act 1, Uzziah's life was, was on a positive trajectory. His life was on an uphill and an upward climb. But as the curtain opens on Act 2, things are heading in a very different direction. If the title of Act 1 of Uzziah's life was the upward climb, the title of Act 2 of his life would have to be the downward spiral. This is actually a good time to pause and insert our next life lesson from the life of Uzziah, and that is this. Success is measured at the end of a life, not in the middle of a life. Success is measured at the end of a life, not in the middle of a life. How many times has your favorite team been leading halfway through a game only to lose in the end? Or how many times have you seen your favorite team mount a remarkable comeback in the last period or the last inning or the last quarter or the last minute of the last half of the match? Everyone thought it was over, but it wasn't over. What's true in sports is also true in life. Success is measured at the end of a life, not in the middle of a life. You may be sitting here today and you're feeling quite smug and quite comfortable where things are right now. You look around you and all seems to be going well. All of the indicators are moving up and to the right. Life's been good. All signs point to success. I'm not telling you to worry. I'm telling you to be careful. There's a difference between experiencing success and ultimately being a success. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between experiencing success and ultimately being a success. Two completely different things in life. Just remember, success is measured at the end of a life, not in the middle of a life. 
You may be sitting here today and you're on the other end of the spectrum. You're feeling quite discouraged. You look around and all seems to be lost. All of the indicators in your world are not where you'd like them to be. Life's been tough and you feel like giving up. I'm here today to tell you, don't give up. Follow God and you'll move forward. Follow God's path, trust God's process and watch what he can do in your life. Just because you're experiencing failure failure doesn't mean that you are a failure. Success is measured at the end of a life, not in the middle of a life. And the difference between Act 1 and Act 2 in Uzziah's life illustrates this reality perfectly. When we last left Uzziah, he was on the top of the world. When we next meet up with Uzziah in chapter 26, he is about to hit rock bottom. Now, the roles that God laid out for the nation of Israel were very clear. The temple was the holiest and most sacred place on earth for an Israelite. And the altar of incense was right at the entrance to the holiest part of this holiest place. The only people allowed to this alt- access to this altar were the priests. And to be a priest, you had to be a descendant of Aaron. Uzziah was not a priest, he was the king. Uzziah was not a descendant of Aaron, he was a descendant of David. Yet, Act 2 of Uzziah's life opens up with him standing where he had no right to be. The Bible puts it this way. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Folks, this would be like me walking into an operating room at Vancouver General Hospital, interrupting a doctor who's performing brain surgery, grabbing the scalpel out of that doctor's hand and me saying, hey, move over, doc, I've got this. How arrogant would that be? That would be madness. So what happened next? The Bible says, Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That's for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated, they've been set apart to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. I mean, this took great courage on behalf of those priests. Confronting the king was no small task. So how did Uzziah respond? He had a temper tantrum. The Bible says he went into a rage. Who knows what he was saying or what he was doing, but it wasn't pretty. And before he could do any further damage, God miraculously intervened. The Bible says, while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Now, leprosy was a disease that required one to be isolated and quarantined. Leprosy was serious stuff. When Uzziah realized what had happened, he immediately calmed down and he rushed out of the temple. And according to the Chronicle, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house. He was banned from going anywhere near the temple and his son had to fulfill the duties and take over the leadership of leading the nation. I often find myself wandering through cemeteries. I find it peaceful. I find it's good for my soul. It reminds me of my own mortality. I wander amongst the tombstones and I wonder about the lives that each marker represents. 
You see all kinds of fascinating things carved on tombstones. Some of them are quite sad, and some of them are actually quite funny, intentionally. For example, in a cemetery in East Dalhousie, Nova Scotia, there's a tombstone that says this. Here lies Ezekiel Akel, age 102. And then underneath it says, the good die young. (laughs) Margaret Daniel's grave in Richmond, Virginia has the following etched in granite. She always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. On a slab of polished marble in a cemetery in Thurmont, Maryland, you can read this. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up with no place to go. When Uzziah died, he wasn't even buried with his ancestors. The Bible says he was buried near them in a separate cemetery, and his tombstone sums it up. He had leprosy. What happened? How did the man in Act 1 become the man in Act 2? How did things go from as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success, to he had leprosy? The answer to that question is found in the middle of Uzziah's story. It's found in verses 15 and 16. It's what we're calling in your outline the turning point. What happened to Uzziah? It's not a mystery at all. The biblical writer lays it out as clearly as one can. It says, his fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. What led to the downward spiral of Uzziah? What led to his eternal eventual demise? After Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. And this shows us the danger of success. As long as you're following God, you're moving forward. As long as you're following God's path and trusting God's process, you're safe in God's presence. That's the biblical recipe for ultimate success. But success must be maintained because success is measured at the end of a life, not in the middle of a life. So what can sidetrack a successful life? What danger lurks on the edge of every successful life? Look no further than Uzziah's experience. The danger that comes with reaching the heights is forgetting how you got there. The danger that comes with reaching the heights is believing the lie that it was your genius, it was your talent, it was your skill, it was your wisdom, it was your charm that made it all possible. It's called pride. And it's the danger that comes with every success in life. Let me ask you, are you proud? Are you in danger of falling into the same trap that brought down Uzziah? Now, let's be careful about using the word pride here. I don't think that every form of pride is dangerous. In fact, I think there are two sides to pride. I think there's a healthy side, and I think there's a toxic side. Here's how I describe it on your outline. The healthy side of pride says, I'm doing my best. I think that's a healthy side of pride. It says, I'm doing my best. See, to set a goal, to work hard, and to feel a sense of satisfaction at achieving your goal, that's not evil. To to have a rush of joy at doing something well, that's not evil. To do your best and to feel the sensation of knowing that you've done your best, that's not evil, that's healthy. 
The healthy side of pride says, I'm doing my best. But that's not the side of pride that we're talking about today. That's not the side of pride that led to the downward spiral that sabotaged Uzziah's life. Uzziah wandered into the toxic side of pride. What's that? Well, if the healthy side of pride says, I'm doing my best, the toxic side of pride says, I'm better than everyone else. Do you see the difference? Healthy, I'm doing my best. Toxic, I'm better than everybody else. A man goes to a counselor and says, Doc, people are always avoiding and rejecting me because they claim that I come across as being above everyone else. The counselor says, okay, well, let's see if I can help you with this. Tell me, when did this problem first develop? The man said, okay, in the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. That is the toxic pride that filled the heart of Uzziah. Just like that man, Uzziah had an inflated view of himself. The Bible says that Uzziah's fame spread far and wide. The newspapers were filled with stories about the wisdom and the skill of King Uzziah. Uzziah knew where this wisdom and this skill came from. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. He knew that as long as he wore a path into God's presence, as long as he paid attention to godly instruction, God advanced his life. But somewhere along his 52-year reign, Uzziah lost the plot. Somewhere along his 52-year reign, Uzziah stopped listening to God and started listening to garbage. And that's what led to him to his destruction. He lost touch with reality and he grabbed hold of a fantasy. Which brings us to the final life lesson today. You cannot have ultimate success without recognizing your ultimate source. You can't have ultimate success without recognizing your ultimate source. Listen, you and I were created by God. We are finite. We are contingent beings. We're not eternal. We depend on another being for our existence. God created us. God, the eternal God, designed us. He is our ultimate source of life. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our very being. He's our ultimate source. And you cannot have ultimate success without recognizing and being connected to your ultimate source. But here's the thing. God created us to experience the purest love imaginable. God created us to experience a loving relationship with him, our ultimate creator. Now, in order to experience love, you have to choose You can't program love. Love can't be compelled. It must be a decision that you make. And we used our ability to freely choose, and we rejected this God, this ultimate source. And that's what the Bible calls sin. Now, we are stuck in that. We are stuck in our choice and stuck in our sin. And God could have just abandoned us at this point, but he didn't. He continues to love us. And so what he did was he continued to pursue us. And he sent his son Jesus into the world to pay the wages of sin, to pay our moral debt, to satisfy justice and satisfy his love. He loves us, so he got what we deserved. He paid our moral debt. He died in our place because the wages that sin pays, the Bible says, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so now you and I have an option. God loves us, and God wants to restore a relationship with us. The ultimate source wants to reconnect with us, his creation. And it can only be done through Jesus. 
by accepting the gift that he paid on your behalf. Have you done that? Have you accepted the gift of God's forgiveness and mercy and grace? If you haven't, then as you sit here, you are disconnected from God, from your ultimate source, and you can never experience ultimate success. You can have a measure of success here in this life, but when your last heart beats and your last brain wave crashes against the shore of consciousness, and when you cease to exist in the physical form, you will ultimately not have success in eternity. So Jesus came to bring you into the presence of God forever. Have you accepted that gift? If not, before you leave this building today, you'll be given an opportunity to do that very thing. Let's conclude. What are you experiencing today? What's happening in your life? Are you feeling like you're on top of the world? Are you feeling like everything is going your way? Be careful. Be careful. The Bible says, take heed lest you fall. Enjoy the air at your altitude, but never forget how you got there. Remember the lesson of the turtle sitting on the fence post. Whenever you see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know one thing. He didn't get there on his own. And what's true of the turtle is true of you and me. You cannot have ultimate success without recognizing your ultimate source. Keep following God and you'll keep moving forward. Perhaps you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, yet you're in a dark place. You feel like God has forgotten you. Listen, don't be discouraged. You keep following God and he'll keep moving you forward. Oh, you may not always feel like you're moving forward. You may not always see the progress in your life, but remember the life of Joseph. Remember that following God's path means trusting God's process. God has not forgotten you. He's working upon, within, and around you. Trust him. He's not finished with you yet. Success is not measured, measured in the middle of a life. Success is measured at the end of a life. Finally, you may be here and you're not sure where your life is at. You know you're not a follower of Jesus. You've been following your own desires. Perhaps you have all the outward signs of success, yet truth be told, you're haunted by an inner emptiness. Or perhaps you've lost everything, and you feel completely hopeless. Whether your hands are full or your hands are empty, neither ultimately measures the success of a life. The ultimate measure of success is not whether what you have in your hands, but it's whether or not you've reconnected your soul to the one who created you, to the ultimate source in life, to the one who created and designed you, to God himself. As we conclude this time together, I want to give you an opportunity to do that very thing. I want to give you an opportunity to step into true success, to experience the purest love imaginable to experience life that is truly life, to experience life that is eternal through Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together, please.